Now there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, and five hundred female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. I don't know where that voice came from, but if you want to know where it came from, just listen to the NIV uh, Bible on you version. That's the exact voice, and I think that's where Randy got that voice, was by listening so much to the U version Bible and the NIV, the exact pronunciation. That's amazing. You, you see him stand here, and that voice comes out? Wow. I'm sorry, I don't have that kind of voice, but... We've been in the book of Job's for several weeks now, and we're talking about life as it really is. Uh, that is the theme that as we look at the book of Job, um, life is not fair. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. Life is not fair. How many times have you said to say to your kids, look them in the eye and say, life isn't fair, get over it. Sometimes we need to be told that and reminded that life as it really is does not seem fair to us, but God is in charge, God loves us, He knows what He's doing even when we do not understand one of the things that we've talked about is that God is not obligated to explain to us what He's doing. He has the privilege of refining us, of testing us, in order to get glory to Himself. Now we've talked about who do you think God really is? Who do you think your real friends are? Who do you think the real enemy is? And today I want to talk with you about what do you think real integrity looks like? You see, Job was the example of all examples of a man of integrity. I got really mad this week at a preacher. Somebody posted this link on Facebook and it involved the book of Job, so I clicked it and went to it. And this great theologian, not, said that God had to bring Job to repentance because of his error, because of his sin. If you believe that, do you realize you just made the devil right when he said that if you touch Job's body, he will curse you? That's not true. Job is a man of integrity and the Bible says that that is true. Now listen, every one of us needs someone that we would like to emulate. 
Who is your hero? Who would you like to be like? I got to tell you, when I was that age, that's me, by the way. I had, I didn't have much more hair then than I have now. It was, if, if you see that haircut, that's why I have to have all these skin cancers removed because I didn't have a hat on all my youth and I didn't have much hair. But you look at that picture, Roy Rogers was my hero. Can you identify with that? Come on. Can I get a witness? Roy Rogers was my hero. I not only wanted to be like Roy Rogers, I wanted to be Roy Rogers. And so that's the reason for the stance and that's the reason for the get-up. Betty Reese occasionally tells me, I still stand like that. Well, maybe, I don't know. But I wanted to be Roy Rogers. I had a hero and I wanted to be like him. And the Bible gives us heroes, people that we should emulate, people we should want to be like, and Job is one of those heroes. I want you to notice the integrity of Job. Randy read the verses. One of the things that I see in those first five verses of the book is his integrity with God. His integrity with God. Notice that in his integrity that he lived an exemplary life. The Bible says that Job was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. The fact that he was blameless means that everyone who knew him well, knew everything about him, still knew that he was a man of integrity. What do people say about us? What is our reputation? And what do the people who really know us know about us? I appreciated Tony uh, in his prayer in our small group this morning. Tony prayed for me and he said, Brother Lynn is awesome. And I thought, God just laughed. Because, <laughs> thank you Tony, but God knows me, you know. Job was blameless before God, one who was upright. That, Don, that means he always did right. He, he, he was upright because he always did right. He made the right choices. He did the right things. He was blameless before God. He was blameless before men. How do you live that kind of life? Well, the key is here. He was one who feared God and because of his fear of God, he turned away from evil. Alice, that doesn't mean that he was quaking in his boots, afraid of what God was going to do. It means, guys, that he had an awesome respect for God. A, a reverent, reverential respect for God. He knew who God was. He knew God. And that relationship with God made him live an exemplary life. Can I tell you the conclusion of this sermon from the beginning? Doesn't mean, Wendy, that you can check out. You still have to keep listening, okay? But the end, the end from the beginning. Our integrity does not earn us favor with God. It does please God. 
your good life, your blameless life glorifies God and pleases Him, but it does not earn God's favor. In fact, you need to understand that our integrity and our good works flow out of our relationship with God. It's not the other way around. We do what we do not so that God will be good to us. We do what we do because God has been good to us. He has loved us and we love Him back and that, Wanda, is the reason for our integrity. We need to understand that. Job lived an exemplary life. Not only that, but we see in those verses his exemplary worship. It says that he got up every morning. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Now, there are several phrases in those two verses that I would like to, for you to remember. Uh, for, realize he got up every morning to meet with God. For weeks now, I have been pushing in my Sunday night messages that you need to get up every morning and meet with God. Carl, we've even talked about it on Thursday mornings, haven't we? Every single morning, get up and open the book of life, the Bible. Meet with God. See Him, John, as He really is. And then talk with Him every single morning. Job did that. He got up in the morning and met with God so that he knew God. Not only was he, did he get up every morning, he made offerings and sacrifices to God as a part of his worship. By the way, that leads me into the next part, um, into integrity, not only with his family, but also, or not only in his worship, but also with his family. By the way, I meant to say too, you know he did that because he was the richest man in the land. There was no one at that time, Alan, any richer than Job. But you know, Gilly didn't trust in his riches. He trusted in God. We have an idea, Don, that we only turn to God when we're in trouble. But Job, even in the most blessed part of his life, remembered to make sacrifices and worship with God. He knew that he needed the Lord. Uh, not only his integrity with God, but his integrity with his family. Notice that in everything he did, he was real. He was real. Listen, children, he, he was not a hypocrite. He lived a godly life before his family. Children often rebel and leave the church. Even preacher's kids rebel and leave the church because what they see is that dad and mom are very religious. They're very pious on Sunday morning. But on Monday and through the rest of the week, they live like the devil. Instead, Job would make arrangements for them, his children, to be purified. 
Early in the morning it would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their heart. He was religious. Um, he got up every morning. He made the sacrifices for his children, not just for himself, but for his children. Mom and Dad, you need to pray for your kids. You need to pray for them by name. In fact, I would be so radical as to say you need to pray for them in front of them by name so that they know that you love them and you're interested in their souls and they hear you pray for them. Now, you better be real through the rest of the week and don't just pray for them on Sunday, but to live the example in front of them. You know, it also says that he was very religious. That's a part of the verses that I read to you. He did make the sacrifices. He did walk a spiritual walk in front of them. I'll be honest with you, and it, it's, it's hard to admit, and you may find this strange for me to say as your pastor, but I will tell you very openly that I wish when, I, my, children, when, when my children were growing up, I wish I had been more open with them and more vocal with them about my spirituality. I had a walk with God. I had a relationship with God. But I was not vocal with my children about it. And I will give credit to Brenda Rayburn, my wife, because she was open. She wore her spirituality on her sleeve for all to see. And she was the example and probably the relationship that my children have with God today is because of Brenda because I was too silent, I was too private with mine. You may say to me, but that's private. I will keep it to myself. You may be afraid that you will come across as, as a hypocrite if you are open about your spirituality. But I will tell you, your children need to see your walk with God. You need to, be, to have integrity with God. Your family. Not only was he religious, but he was constant. It says in that verse 5, this was Job's regular practice. You need to be faithful. You need to be faithful with your time with God. You need to be faithful with your testimony. You need to be faithful in your attendance in church. You need to be faithful to the ministry that God has given you here. And your family needs to see that regularity, that constancy, that faithfulness to God. Job had integrity with God. He had integrity with his family. And folks, we need mothers and fathers who will set a godly example for their children and grandchildren who will raise them for the Lord. Next Sunday, we are having a baby dedication so that you as parents and grandparents and great-grandparents can commit those children that God has given us to the Lord. And so you remember that in the service next week. Job was also uh, faithful. He had integrity with others. Now, I guess at this point I need to say, hang on, because I've got to move. Um, I, I, I need to share with you the entire 31st chapter of the book of Job in the next four minutes. So hang on tight and take good notes. In fact, I think Cheryl, I don't think I even put any blanks to fill in. Did I put blanks in the worship guide to fill in? Okay. 
I, this is why, because I've got about 12 points, Kim, to do in the next four minutes. So hang on. This is what real integrity looks like. It's Job's integrity. First of all, he did not lust. That means no pornography. Pornography. I made a solemn pact with myself never to undress a girl with my eyes. That is, by the way, if you wonder where that came from, that's a translation or, a, or a, an explanation from the message. Listen, that pornography is a concern so great in our age that when I stand before a congregation of this number of men, Statistics will show that 30% of the men in this crowd have struggled with or are struggling with pornography. It is a huge issue. And integrity for both men and women is not to lust. Guys are visual and they may look at pictures, but women read books like Fifty Shades of Grey. And there is no difference. Integrity means no lust and no pornography either of the eyes or of the minds. Not only that, but he did not lie. He said, have I lied to anyone or deceived anyone? Let God weigh me on the scales of justice, for he knows my integrity. Well, that's a scary prayer, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But Job always told the truth. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be blunt and hurt feelings. Uh, if my wife says to me, does this dress make me look fat? Melody, I'm going to say, does this shirt make me look stupid? <laughs> but you tell the truth, you're not unkind with it. Speaking the truth in love. You don't lie. You're not a deceiver. Have I lied to anyone or deceived anyone? He was not a deceiver. When Job said something, Terry, you could count on it. He was telling the truth. You did not have to wonder. Wouldn't make a very good politician in 2020. Uh, I didn't say that out loud, did I? He, he did not covet. He said, if my heart has lusted for what my eyes have seen. That's not just the lust, the sexual lust. That's covetousness. I wish I had that new pickup truck that you had. I wish that neighbor's boat was... He did not covet. He did not commit adultery. If my heart has been seduced by a woman, if I've lusted for my neighbor's wife, then let my wife serve another man. Let other men sleep with her. That's not what he wanted. He's just saying, that's only fair. If I'm going to commit adultery, how can I expect anyone else to be true to me? In our day, fornication and adultery is considered normal, and it is not. And that needs to be a part of our fidelity to God and our faithfulness to our wives and to our husbands. He did not commit adultery. He did not mistreat his employees. Oh me, now he starts meddling, right? And he says, the God who made them made me as well. If I've been unfair to male or female servants when they brought their complaints to me, how could I face God? He did not mistreat His employees. By the way, that also means that He gave a decent tip in the restaurant. Right? 
Oh, come on now. Is there an amen anywhere in the crowd? Um, that's mistreating employees. Not only that, but he was not stingy, just in nature. He said, have I been stingy with my food and refused to share it with orphans? No, from childhood I've cared for orphans like a father, and all my life I have cared for widows. There's just something special in the Bible about widows and orphans. God takes special care of widows and orphans. We have a good number of widows in our congregation, and I want you to know that God loves you. God has a special eye for you, for orphans as well. But can I say this? We've, we've got foster parents in our congregation, and we need more foster parents. There are children who've been abandoned and children who need foster care. And heroes in my eyes are those parents who will go through the training, fill out the paperwork, be examined for their worthiness and their ability, and will take someone else's children into their home to try to rescue them from suffering and from danger. God bless the foster parents. We need to be those kind of people. He was generous. He was not stingy. Not only that, but he didn't trust in his wealth or anything else other than God, which would be idolatry. It says, have I gloated about my wealth and all that I own? Be careful about being proud of what God has given you. And let me, this is not in the notes, but if you will write it down and tweet it, never allow what God has given you to keep you from serving Him. Never allow what God has given you to keep you from serving Him. He didn't gloat about His wealth. He didn't look at the sun shining or the moon he has not been enticed by nature to worship nature are the things that God created. He had fidelity to God, no idolatry. Oh, then he starts meddling again, I'm telling you. He said he didn't rejoice when his enemies failed. Have I ever rejoiced when disaster struck my enemies? Don't go to a football game. Know what I'm talking about? Or become excited when harm came their way? No, I have never sinned by cursing anyone or by asking for revenge. That's integrity, folks. He shared his food and his house. My servants have never said, He let others go hungry. I've never turned away a stranger, but have opened my doors to everyone. Through the years, time after time, I have asked many of you to open your doors to missionaries who are passing through on deputation. And God bless those of you who have done that. You've had open homes. I would ask for a show of hands because I think probably 20% of the crowd would have to raise their hands and say, yes, I hosted a missionary in my home. He shared his food and his house and he admitted when he was wrong. Have I tried to hide my sins like other people, concealing my guilt in my heart? He admitted when he was wrong. Often in, in doing 
marriage classes, I have asked everyone to say, by the way, let's just do that. I'll take the extra 90 seconds to do this, just to make sure that you know how to do this. I want everyone here at my lead to say, don't look at me like that, Mike. You, I'm sorry, brother, you have to say it too. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Can you say that? Yeah, okay, prove it to me right now. Say it with me. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Job was willing to say that. And it is a matter of integrity to be willing to admit when you are wrong. Job was a man of true integrity. And he prayed a dangerous prayer. Let God weigh me on the scales of justice, for He knows my integrity. Would you do that? Would you pray, Lord, weigh me on your scales to see whether I have real integrity or not? If God did that, what would He say about us? Would he say that we are men of integrity? We are women of integrity. What would he say if he weighed us on his scales? But listen, don't miss the major lessons from Job. Job's integrity flowed from his awe, his love, his reverence for God. But that didn't mean that nothing bad would ever happen to him. It brought great glory to God that Job worshipped God even when the bad things happen. I need you to understand, you and I can never live a perfect life. Ronnie, I didn't give these as rules to be obeyed and Cheryl, that if you obey these rules, Noah, that nothing bad will ever happen to you. That's not the point of the message at all. My point is that our integrity and in living for God pleases God. It makes God smile. Nancy, that doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to us. But I want to see God smile. Lord, I want to live a life that pleases God and if it brings more glory to God, if I worship Him in the midst of pain and suffering, then glory be to God. I want to live for Him no matter what happens. None of us can live a perfect life. But we better not use His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness as an excuse to live a rotten life, a sinful life. Paul said, you have peace with God. When we sin, grace much more abounds. What shall we say then, that we should continue in sin, that grace may abound? And he concluded, absolutely not. By the way, we Baptists have been accused of believing that. Because we believe that if you've been saved, you are saved forever. Oh, well, I only got one amen out of that. Come on, we believe that if you've been saved, you have the gift of eternal life, 
and you've been saved forever. Thank you. But that doesn't mean we sin just because we can still be saved. I fear the punishing hand of God. And I want my Heavenly Father to be pleased with me. And I want to live a life that pleases Him, glorifies Him. But I will say this. None of us can live a perfect life. If you think you've come into a perfect congregation, boy, did you walk into the wrong church this morning. Got a few amens out of that. And a few laughs. There's nobody perfect here. And if you came this morning dirty, and you know what I mean by that. If you came this morning dirty, you're in the right place. This is not a sanctuary for saints. This is a hospital for sinners. And you've come to the right place. Maybe it is time. Maybe you've seen that list of integrity and you know you need to be, do something about your life and your testimony. You have come to the right place. It's time to repent. It's time to get right with God. It's time... It, maybe God is calling you to repentance this morning. Maybe He's calling you this morning to rededicate your life and get started again. Start anew. Start fresh. Maybe God's calling you this morning to establish a relationship with Him because you really don't have one. You've never come in faith to Jesus Christ. Listen, God loves you. Life may not be fair, but please understand, that doesn't mean that God does not love you. He loves you, and He knows what's best for you. And He will do what's best for you, whether it is pleasant or not. He loves you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. I'm talking to the people, not only those in this crowd, but people who are on the live stream. Why did God bring you to this service today? What is it that He wants you to do? Who is it that He wants you to be? Surrender your life to Jesus and do it now.